Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you today. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. We have got a lot to talk about on today's show. So many things going on. Some rather bizarre trade rumors going around, plus a Another rumor that, again, I don't think there's a lot of truth behind it, but it's out there, it's in the Twittersphere and uh, on social media, so I will discuss it. We also have confirmation as to where the Islanders will play their home games this season, our Islanders' birthday of the day, and of course, we continue our look at each Islanders player from this past year, and uh, again, we will focus on another Isles player talk about their season and what is ahead for that player. So we've got a lot on our plates today, and most of it is good stuff. Uh, first of all, the Islanders have confirmed via Lou Lamorello that they will be playing their home games next season at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. During his exit interview with the media, Lamorello said that Yes, we will definitely be playing at the Nassau Coliseum next year. That is a confirmation. Now, again, we do not know whether or not there will be fans in the stands for part of the season, all of the season, none of the season. All of this remains a mystery. And, of course, if the National Hockey League decides to go to you know, what we talked about on the show earlier this week, a multiple bubble format. Uh, Don't know whether the Nassau Coliseum would be considered as one of the locations where we could have hockey uh, as one of the bubbles. So you don't know that. We don't know whether or not fans will be let in or maybe we have a reduced capacity. Uh, All of these are questions that the NHL uh, will be struggling with at, you know, over the next few months uh, between now and when they are able to start the season. And, and you know, we don't know how many games that season will be. We don't know whether there'll be fans in the stands, whether teams will be uh, in different bubbles or whether they'll be playing at their home arenas. So many variables right now. And I'll be honest with you, I do not envy the difficult decisions that Gary Bettman has to make. And I got to give credit to the National Hockey League and to the players because they worked together 
and they pulled off the playoffs this year and finished the season, awarded the Stanley Cup. A lot of people didn't think it was possible. There were no real positive COVID tests that we've been made aware of inside either the Toronto or the Edmonton bubble, and that was a good thing. The players were able to, you know, quarantine inside that bubble, and it was difficult. I I could not imagine being away from my kids and, and, and my family and everybody who, all my friends, you know, besides the people I worked with for, you know, August, September, October, you know, well, okay, two, two and a half months of not seeing them at all. And that had to be very difficult. And congratulations, really, to the National Hockey League and the National Hockey League Players Association for pulling that off. But looking ahead at next season, it's a completely different situation. You're not sure exactly uh, when the season will start, what the format will be, how many games they can play. Look, the National Hockey League is very dependent on attendance, it's roughly 50% of their revenue. You compare that with the NFL, where it's probably, you know, 15% of their revenue, 20% of their revenue. So more than any other of the four major North American sports leagues, the NHL needs to have fans in the stands. And certainly minor league hockey needs to have fans in the stands. That is the vast majority of the income that these teams get is from attendance. So we'll see what happens, but uh, at least we know if the Islanders are going to have home games, they're going to be at the Nassau Coliseum, and it should be a really nice farewell to the renovated old barn uh, in Uniondale. And yeah, they played at Barclay Center for, what was it, three full seasons and parts of two others, But at the end of the day, most Islander fans, not all, but most Islander fans, consider the Nassau Coliseum home. The culture of the Islanders between 1972 and uh, 2015 was all at the Nassau Coliseum. And then again, the last two seasons, you have the tailgating and the, you know, just sort of the way the Islanders did their parades around, uh, you know, the area when they won Stanley Cups back in the 80s, you have just that feeling of all of, you know, so many Long Islanders coming together in the parking lot and in the hotel next door to the Coliseum, really uh, a piece and a part of Islanders hockey for so long. And I am hoping, really, really hoping that the 2020-2021 season, when and if it gets underway, uh, will be a nice fond farewell so the fans can really say goodbye to the old barn. And I'm very much looking forward to the UBS arena in Belmont and seeing what it's like and all the modern conveniences. But until then, to me, the Nassau Coliseum always going to have a special place in my heart. I've been attending games there. First Islander game I ever attended, 1972-73, the last home game of the Islanders' first season against the Buffalo Sabres. So, It'll be special, and I hope that the fans will have an opportunity to give the Islanders' old barn one last send-off before it really ceases to be 
their hockey home. All right, we've got a lot to discuss on today's show. We'll have our Islanders birthday of the day. We'll look at another Islanders player, what they did last year, what they're doing next year, and we'll discuss some rumors going around, even if they seem a little implausible to me. Lots to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hey, I know a lot about sports, a lot about hockey, but don't know a lot about cars. And if you're like me, that's one more good reason to check out rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. They're going to charge the mechanics less, and that's really not fair. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone, and they are reliably low. There's no membership requirement or account logon. And they have everything you need for your car, whether it's engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even a new carpet. And whether it's your classic or your daily driver, you can get auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers in just a few easy clicks, and they will deliver it directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. They've been at this for more than 20 years. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day, and let's wish a very happy birthday, a very happy 46th birthday to former Islanders center Matt Lindgren, originally drafted by the old Winnipeg Jets, 15th overall, first round, Back in 1993, spent a couple of years in the Swedish Elite League, played his first NHL hockey for the Edmonton Oilers before joining the Islanders late in the 1998-99 season. He was with the Islanders for all of 99-2000, 2000-2001, before finishing his NHL career with the Vancouver Canucks. 387 career games, 54 goals at 128 points for Max Lindgren in his NHL career. We're going to go back and look at one of his better games with the Islanders, December 27, 1999, at the Old Barn, the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders taking on the Boston Bruins. Robbie Tallis in goal for the Boston Bruins against Roberto Luongo in net for the Islanders. And yes, for those of you who are too young to remember, Roberto Luongo, originally a New York Islander, uh, spent his rookie year there before being traded away. So, in the second period, after a scoreless opening 20 minutes, Max Lindgren gets the Islanders on the board just 38 seconds in, his sixth goal of the season. Marius Tchaikovsky with the assist, and it was one to nothing in favor of the Islanders. Islanders increase that lead midway through the period. Bill McCault, his fifth from Gino Ojik and Jamie Rivers at 11.55, Islanders 2, and the Bruins nothing. That was the score at the second intermission. In the third period, the Islanders would add to their lead Nicholas Anderson, an unassisted goal at 15.28. That ended the scoring. Islanders emerge with a 3 to nothing win. Roberto Luongo, 34 saves to earn the shutout. As the Islanders emerge victorious, no Islanders with multiple point games in this one, but Lindgren, one goal in this game, a plus two, 
and he had the game-winning goal as well. Also led the Islanders in shots on goal with five while playing 18 minutes and 54 seconds. So the final score on this date, Islanders 3, Boston Bruins nothing. The shutout to Roberto Luongo, the game-winning goal to our Islanders' birthday of the day, Max Lindgren, he turns 46 today. All right, so some rumors going around. And, you know, rumors like this always sort of confound me a little bit. But in a column uh, for The Athletic, uh, one thing that was mentioned was that the Columbus Blue Jackets may be looking to trade some of their goalies. And then they would, of course, need to pick up another goaltender. And, well, needless to say, I was surprised, looking over this, a column by Craig Custance, a very fine writer, basically saying that one thing that is a possibility for the uh, goaltending search uh, for Columbus is maybe one source suggested, this is a quote from the article, Simeon Varlamov as another trade option if the Islanders are looking for more financial flexibility. I really cannot see the Islanders dealing Simeon Varlamov at this point in time. Uh, Look, it depends what they get back, but after the way Varlamov played in the playoffs, I think he certainly has earned the right to come back. He's still got many years left on his contract, and... He had a, you know, a a great start to the season, tailed off a little bit in January, February, early March, came back like gangbusters for almost all of the playoffs. Yeah, he had his game or two that was a little iffy, but Tomas Grice then stepped in. Now, remember, Grice is an unrestricted free agent, unlikely to be back. And, of course, you know, the Islanders, after all this time, finally have Ilya Sorokin in camp. He will almost certainly be one goalie there. The thought was that Vorolamov and Sorokin would be together next year. They would split the goaltending duties, and if one of them emerges as the starter by the end of the season, well, then everything is great. You got two quality goalies to choose from, etc., etc. But overall, still not clear to me why the Islanders would want to open up cap space that way when there are many other alternatives. Uh, To me, Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz are goaltending and defense first, forwards and scoring. You know, not that they ignore it, but it is not their number one priority. And the question really becomes um, whether or not they would really take that gamble. Now, obviously, the advantage to trading Varlamov would be that you get rid of the rest of his contract, the the remaining three or four years left on them and that big cap hit going forward. The drawback, obviously, is you then, unless you re-sign Grice, have no proven number one goalie. Now, look, Sorokin has all the talent in the world, uh, largely considered by most scouts to be the best goalie outside the NHL uh, up until now. But look, He has to adjust to living in a new country, a new language, a new culture, and the different size rink in the National Hockey League and playing in the National Hockey League. So asking him to carry the load right away 
may be asking a lot, but it is something I wanted to discuss, pass along to you, and let you know what's going on. Another rumor out there, uh, as we discussed briefly on yesterday's show, the New York Rangers did indeed buy out Henrik Lundqvist after, what was it, 15 seasons on Broadway, and there was a rumor on Twitter that maybe the Islanders would be interested in signing Henrik if, uh, in the event, that they feel that they would rather have Sorokin start the season in the AHL or bring him along a little more slowly. You could sign Henrik to a one-year deal and really kind of rub it in the Rangers' faces by having him come in, play against them, and just, you know, make them look bad. Interesting idea. I doubt there's any truth to it. A, I don't think Lundqvist comes cheap. Uh, And, you know, maybe if the Islanders do indeed trade away Varlamov, maybe they bring in, you know, Lundqvist on a one- or two-year deal, but I really can't see that being the case. So these rumors are out there. I think they're highly doubtful, but I wanted to pass them along. And, you know, if you want to discuss them, feel free, or if there's something else Islanders-related on your mind, the email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnIsles or Follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYR versus NYS. We've got a lot more to discuss here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will continue our look at the various Islanders players and, and what they did this year and where they're going next year. Today, Otto Koivula is who we're going to take a look at. So stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we're back here at the Locked On Islanders podcast, and let's talk about our Islanders analysis of the day. We go through the entire roster and discuss uh, the season for a player and their future. Today, we are discussing Otto Koivula, who made his NHL debut this season, the six foot four, two 220-pound Finn uh Originally drafted in the fourth round by the Islanders back in 2016. And and Koivula played in 12 games with the Islanders. Had two penalty minutes, 12 hits, four blocked shots, and four shots on goal. His average time on ice, a little less than eight minutes in a game. Seven minutes and 55 seconds. And look, here's the deal with Koivula. He did get to make his NHL debut, which is a great step forward, and and obviously congratulations to him. He also played 36 games down in Bridgeport with the Sound Tigers, nine goals, 13 assists, which is more or less, you know, last year was his rookie year in North America. He had 46 points in 69 games, so his pace was roughly the same this year in the AHL than it was last year. And, you know, the Islanders called up Koivula and put him down on the fourth line uh, when Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck at different times during the season went out with injuries. And that is really not his ideal role. So here was a guy who may be projected down the line as more of an offensive player who had to adjust and play uh, fourth-line minutes and a fourth-line role that may not be the best fit for his skill set. Now, 
his season was cut short, missed roughly the last 15 or so games uh, at Bridgeport, and then, of course, COVID arrived, and he was unable to finish the season, did not make any appearances uh, in the playoffs for the Islanders. So, look, you know what? He really at least added a little bit of a physical presence to the team in the 12 games that he was called up on and got his feet wet. And I think that is the biggest thing. Best game probably came on February uh, 27th when he had three hits and one shot on goal against the Blues, a 3-2 to two, uh, Islanders loss in St. Louis. But overall, you know, still waiting for his chance. So the NHL debut was out of the way. And again, he becomes one of those players where if Koivula takes a step forward this year and is able to uh, continue his development, that bodes well for him. And maybe he finds a role on the third line or even, you know, down the road on the second line. He's got size. He can do things with the puck. He is only 22 years old or will be 22 years old uh, actually tomorrow. So uh, uh, actually September 1st. So today he will be 22 years old. So lots of promise still for Otto Koivula. And, you know, nobody's expecting him to turn into a 30 or 40 goal scorer but certainly he can add some physical presence and some skill to the third line, I would think, next year, ideally, if he takes that next step forward. I don't see the Islanders in any rush to trade Koivula unless they really feel like, you know, they have to include him in a deal uh, along with a, a bad veteran contract in order to free up some cap space and move things along that way. So we'll keep an eye on that. I would think if he has a good camp, Koivula may have uh, much more of a permanent role on the Islanders roster, although I wouldn't be shocked to see him play 40 or 50 games on the island, 25, 30 games down in Bridgeport. Uh, We'll see. And again, it depends on when and how the AHL and NHL get their seasons started. So we will certainly keep an eye on all of that. That's going to do it for our show today. Don't forget, we come back every weekday, Monday through Friday, with a new show full of great Islanders content. And our shows drop a little after 12.25 a.m., just after midnight. Uh, So if you're a night owl, the show is there for you before you go to bed. Early risers, it'll be in your inbox when you're waiting and wake up. Uh, Best way to make sure that you get all the shows is, of course, to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. And we will always, we will be here throughout the offseason to keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and the best Islanders analysis that you're going to find anywhere. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Happy October. And, of course, let's go Islanders.